I don't know if you noticed or if you remember the phrase that Barbara used, from fear to faith. You remember just now she said it? Anyone? Yeah. Well, that's a good title for the book of Habakkuk, three chapters in the Old Testament we're going to look at uh, this morning, from fear to faith. The prophet was full of fear, and the conversation that he had with God was God reorientating his outlook to one of actual faith in who the sovereign God of the universe is. So we're going to look at this now with a reading, and Carol, um, uh, Janet's going to bring our reading, but the reading is the very end of the story, where Habakkuk works it out, where he realises that, uh, that God is God and he is not. And it's a very famous passage. Habakkuk's my favourite prophet for now, because it's the latest one that I've read. Um, and uh, the ending of Habakkuk is also just wonderful. But he's got some serious questions, and we have serious questions too. Where are you, God? What are you doing, God? And God has taken this prophet, this man who was afraid, looking on earthly things and earthly situations, until God took him to a place where he could say what Janet is about to read. Thanks, Janet. All right, the book of Habakkuk is on page 943 in the Pew Bibles. And it's chapter 3, and it's verses 17 to 19. So it's the whole of that page. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go to the heights. For the director of music on my stringed instruments. Mm, Should we just pay for Richard? Lord, we've been singing what a great big God you are and how you hold us in your hands. And we ask you will hold us all this morning very close, especially Richard as he delivers the word that you have prepared for him to say today that we will be attentive to listen, remember through the week, and take it out with us as we go back to our busy lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I think I'm... Am I on here, David? Lovely. I don't know. I mean, I love the prophet Habakkuk. It's three amazing, glorious chapters, and, and many of us will know this as well, and we will love this, uh, this little prophet, not in writing in his gift to scriptures, but in um, the, the shortness of his writings. And I don't know when, I don't know what you think when you read these words, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, nor the produce of the olive, though the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, yet I will panic. Yet I will be terrified. Yet I will be afraid. He doesn't say any of that, but he would have said that right at the very start of chapter 1. He says, yet I will trust. I will rejoice in Yahweh. Now cast your minds back to some of the early days of the the first lockdown. There was panic in our supermarkets. They didn't lock down, by the way. 
There was panic in our supermarkets. Can you remember the one product that we were all panicking over? Yeah, yeah. It was an astonishing phenomenon to witness. And then they said, the, the petrol's running out, and we saw queues at the petrol stations, and that didn't run out either. Very interesting. The, the, the speed with which we go to, not battle stations, but panic stations, right? It's true, isn't it? We need the prophet Habakkuk. We need the man of God or the woman of God to come into our lives and say, I've been there. You can trust the Lord. You can do it. And God doesn't despise our fear or crush it. He walks us through, even though he will use hard words. So we're going to have a little tour de force. Now, I said that the book itself could be called From Fear to Faith. That's a great three-worded title. But I've called it, in the context of our faithfulness series, Faithfulness When All the Evidence Points in the Opposite Direction. How many people in our day say, I don't believe in God because of the evidence of science or my eyes or my experience or anything else? And sometimes the arguments are really strong and convincing. How to be faithful to God when the evidence seems to point in the opposite direction is a constant challenge for our life. How do we remain faithful? Right. So Habakkuk, and it would take 15 minutes to read nicely at a leisurely pace, three little chapters. He was in Judah and round about Jerusalem when the big, baddy Babylonian bullies were coming. And the ground was shaking with their armies as they approached Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was next. And uh, he's a contemporary of Jeremiah, who we looked at, I think, last week or the week before. They may not have known each other even, but Habakkuk was afraid. Not because the loo rolls were running out or because the petrol was running low. But maybe there was no blossom on the trees. Maybe the trees had all been cut down. Maybe all the animals in the field had been slaughtered. Maybe there were no olives to make the oil or to eat with a nice salad. Maybe there was none of those things. Maybe there were no lambs in the stall. And put the, put the, uh, the relevant things into your life today. Take away what you assume will be there and what will be the response. Panic stations. And, and I'm speaking about myself as well. It's not, not like I've got this done and dusted. But I would always go back to Habakkuk from fear to faith. So he was very scared. Just in the very second verse of the first chapter, he begins his first complaint to God, his first of two. And he says, How long, O Yahweh? The personal name of God revealed at the burning bush to Moses. How long, O Yahweh, shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Are you listening, God? It's a unique feature in the Scriptures. Because if you followed Baal or Molech, you would never say to them, what are you doing? But to God, yes. The beginning of Isaiah says, God speaking, now come. 
Though your sins are like scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Come, let us reason together, says God. He wants us to argue these things out with him. He wants honest, real-life prayer. He wants you to talk to him like you talk to your best friend when the chips are down and there's no toilet rolls and the petrol's running out, so they say. So this begins a wonderful conversation. We haven't got time. I mean, we should have time to read three chapters, shouldn't we? But we don't this morning. But it begins a wonderful conversation with God, and God answers him in chapter 1, verses 5 to 11. It's an amazing response. So Habakkuk, having heard God respond to him, takes his chance. I'm going to make another complaint. So he complains again. This is in chapter 1, still verses 12 to 17. Now, I don't know if you, if you see someone trying to solve a puzzle or you've offered them a conundrum or you see an escape artist and it looks impossible and you say, how are you going to get out of that one then? You know, like maybe on the X Factor with some of these really high level escape artists. How are you going to get out of this one then? This is what this complaint to God sounded like to me. Okay, God, all right, I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm waiting to see what you're going to do this time, to see how you're going to get out of this one. What are you going to do, God? And this is, because it's honest, it is faithfulness in action. Boldness before God. Read God's second response to Habakkuk. It will make your ears tingle. In fact, Habakkuk said it, did more than make his ears tingle. It made his whole body tremble with what God said. So in chapter 3, verse 16, Habakkuk says, I hear you, God, and my body trembles. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, do you tremble at the word of God? I hear you, God, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet, he says, yet, I will wait for the day of trouble to come. So God is taking Habakkuk on a spiritual journey of growth and of faith. From seeing, what, God's, uh, from seeing what, God, what, what God is doing in the world as opposed to his own perspective. What I see going on in the world doesn't count a jot if I don't see what God is doing in the world. And as Jesus would say to the Pharisees often, do you see? <laughs> do you get the point? Do you see what's going on? So from seeing what's going on to seeing what God has got going on is the movement in these three chapters. And all of us must attend this school of God at the University of Life. That's what God's calling us to. And on, on, um, on Thursday, I had the great joy of hearing the testimonies of James and Laura, who are sat very conveniently right at the front, so you can all look at them. And in three or four weeks, they're going to be baptized here. 
Praise God. And this is part of the testimony story, as we've heard in recent weeks and months as well with the four other baptisms that we've had, of how God has taken a person. And, and becoming Christian is learning to see from God's perspective. That's all it is in many ways. And being transformed. And that's part of the story that I was hearing from both your testimonies. So praise God. So do be praying for these chaps down here. Um, they very kindly sat at the front here. So we're at the University of Life as far as God is concerned. Do you remember Jesus approached a blind man once in, uh, let me say, uh, Mark 10, four, uh, 49 or 50, and he's a blind man, obviously blind. What did Jesus say to him? I love this. Yeah, but Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? How, how would you answer that now, right now before Jesus? He says, what do you want me to do for you? Ken and Mavis, what do you want me to do for you? Janet, what do you want me to do for you? Asked Jesus. And others, Stuart, what do you want me to do for you? Asked Jesus. Steve, what do you want Jesus to do for you? And your testimony is building as well, so excitingly as well, about how Jesus breaks into our life. What do you want me to do for you? Because the very thing that you need, and you don't even know that you need, which is redemption and salvation by the cross, I'm going to do anyway for you. And then do you see but the blind man just replies, anyone? I want to see. I want to see. I want to see in the way that I've never been able to see before because I'm blind. I want to see on a spiritual level in a way the Pharisees can't see right now. They didn't see. They were more blind than the blind people Jesus healed. And only one or two came to him, famously Nicodemus who came to him at night because he was rightly afraid. Essentially saying, Jesus, I don't know what's going on, but there's something about you and I want to see what's going on. But it's all dark around me. Let there be light. So God takes us through our spiritual life trying to get us to see with increasing clarity and I say this as my eyes are rapidly becoming more and more blurry with each passing week. It's just, Lord, I want to see. And Habakkuk was afraid yet fearful, but he was bold enough to complain in honest prayer. Bold enough. And God showed him eventually that the solution was only found in God and that the situation that Habakkuk thought was really, really terrible God showed him. It's really, really far worse than you think, Habakkuk. But I'm going to do a work in you that's going to get you to see. That's biblical faith. And biblical faith, church, is biblically found. I think I've said that enough times, I might get it carved onto my headstone. Amen? Biblical faith is biblically found. That God is more powerful than Habakkuk dared to believe. Do you dare to believe in the power of God? In the coming series of Romans, which I 
I, I say with all due trembling and humility, it is it's a daunting thing to even suggest that one could preach through the book of Romans. The key verse to the whole book, Paul says in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And we could add, wherever that leads me, as Barbara prayed, whatever we end up saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, the dunamis, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Do you believe? Do you want to see? So hence, Christians walk by faith, not by sight. That's why God says in chapter 2, verse 4 of Habakkuk, that the righteous shall live by faith. That is the line that Paul took from Habakkuk and wrote Romans. The righteous live by faith. Not their faith, the faith in and of Jesus Christ. And we're adopted into that. And so biblical faith is, is like a sight that is beyond sight. It is seeing beyond seeing because God has made it known to us the holy things of a holy God. And that's why 1 Corinthians 13:12 says, "For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face." Beautiful truth that God is leading us into. Now, I think the the pattern that we see in Scripture and the point of this lesson that Habakkuk needs to learn is this. It's similar to the one that Jonah had to learn. It's similar to the one that Jeremiah had to learn. It's similar to the one that Job had to learn. It's similar to the one that Moses had to learn. It's similar to the one that David had to learn. It's similar to the one that, wait a minute, I've got the next 23 hours to continue naming every single person in the Bible that this is similar to. It's similar to us. Put your name there. The lesson Habakkuk had to learn from fear to faith is what we have to learn. It's the lesson Richard has to learn. It's the lesson Mike has to learn. It's the lesson James and Laura will have to learn. It's the lesson we will have to learn if we're going to follow Christ in faithfulness in this life that he's given us. Praise God. So I won't go through all the names. And so finally, this is what we need, church. We need to sow, and Carol has brought this out, came out of yesterday's Vision and Revitalization Day, that we need to meet with God. You've sown a, a gospel seed in Tim Peake's heart. That's amazing. Amazing. But we need to meet with God in the holiness of fear and trembling, not the fear and trembling that rushes to the, to the bog roll aisle or to the petrol station, not that kind of fear and trembling, but the fear and trembling that has met with a holy God. That's the heart of it all, right? Meeting with a holy God, that when we do hear him, faith in him replaces fear about the world. That's what we all need. I think there's another moment. I'm going to speak personally for a moment. I, I don't know if, if you know about this or you've, what you think about it even, 
that this government alarm thing through the phones coming at 3 o'clock today through every mobile phone is an overreach of government. I've not asked them to do this, to contact me, and I haven't told them to make me afraid by an alert system. I haven't given them my number. And I know a lot of people who are afraid about what this might mean. But I will not be living in that kind of fear. I will be living in the faith of Jesus Christ for me, that he's called me to, and that he's called you to. So my phone has been off for two days, but the battery flat, they cannot contact me. I will not be contacted by someone I don't want to be contacted by. You can, you're free. I'm not making this. This is not you know, any other statement. But be aware that this is a step in that direction again. And we are people who live from fear to faith. So we meet God in this faith. And we realize that Jesus Christ is still king and his gospel is still true. And so whatever happens, whatever happens, right? nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us, if you're in Christ, from his love. Nothing. And when we realize that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ, nothing, nothing, nothing can drive out that love. Nothing. Because John writes, doesn't he, in his first letter, perfect love casts out fear. What did God say he is in 1 John? God is love. That's a holy love, by the way, not just love, but a holy love. God is love, and perfect holy love casts out fear. Wonderful stuff. So when we have God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, everything changes, or rather, everything in us changes. Our view of the world changes. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The world is not neutral towards us. It just isn't. We're in a fight. And the fight is for the very heart of humanity. That's why Habakkuk will say at the end, as Janet read. I'll read it again. The Babylonians are around Jerusalem. They're destroying land, field, and crops. Everything is going to be wiped away as someone wipes clean a dish with a cloth. Everything's going to go. And Habakkuk stops his complaining and he says, Okay, God, though the fig tree should not blossom, and even though there's no fruit on the vines, and even though the produce of the olives fail and the fields yield no more food, And though the flock be cut off from the fold, and though there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will, I will, I will. The Apostle Paul read this. He read, I'm going to make a bold statement here. I reckon he read Habakkuk when he was in a Philippian jail. What was he doing when he was chained to the wall? singing praises to God, I will rejoice in God. So, and he says, God, the Lord is my strength. 
He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. And church, if you want to imagine a deer prancing around on the hills, that's part of what this metaphor is saying. But when he says, you make my feet like the deer on the high places, when you look through what the Bible says about the high places, where the gods of the nations were worshipped, and he will use your feet to trample down the idols of the nations and all the idols in you that are holding you down. He will make your feet tread the high places. So next time you're at a sticky wicket, church, when all the evidence and all your senses and all your feelings are tempting you to unbelief, because all the evidence seems to be going in that direction when God's over there waiting for us, Take it to God, complain loudly if you want to, but brace yourself for the answer. Strap yourself in, buckle up, put the helmet on, wait for God to speak. Because it's a major part of the spiritual life. Expect it, assume it, anticipate it, and then church, by the grace of Jesus Christ, get through it. I heard a quote I don't know who said it. I might have this on my gravestone as well. I'm not even dying. I'm just a drama queen. It says, We do not praise God because he has caused us to triumph. But to praise God is to triumph. Praise God. Praise God.